Aloha. Hello there, Ohana. It is your copy, Tan, coming at you, I think, with episode 64. Last week was the game day held by the wonderful, the beautiful Princess Diet. Rebel Diana and Darth Omegas himself. Uh, I'm very excited about today's episode, though. We are joined by a coffee connoisseur. Oh, you were on an episode once already, weren't you, my friend? Yes. <laughs> oh, that's right. You were. We did uh, Starbucks. Yes. <laughs> Go ahead. Take the floor. Tell us. Tell everyone who you are again. Let them all get familiar. Um, I'm Nicole. I was on the, I want to say a few episodes ago, um, I work at Starbucks and my husband was a former Starbucks employee. And we were talking about like how Starbucks has changed, you know, throughout the years, stuff we like about it, stuff we don't. Really, I really enjoyed that episode. That was very insightful for me because mm -hmm. you all know. I'm not a huge Starbucks fan just because and I, we've talked we've talked about how I'm very romantic with my with my ways of making coffee. I don't like to make it. I like to be deliberate. But it sounds like you're the same way from that episode. Mm -hmm. you, you're very you're you very specific. Of, yes. And there's <laughs> nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with it. Uh, so th today's episode is something that's been um, Nicole brought to my attention. She wants to talk about again. That's the whole point of this podcast is for people like Nicole that has something that's on her heart that she wants to share. Um, but it's also something that's really near and dear to my heart because it's something that I've struggled with. And there's a reason why we have one of our um, coffees named after N4. It's my brother's nonprofit for mental health and suicide prevention. So that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about mental health, depression, anxiety. We're going to talk about the massive stigmatism that there is. Stigmatism? That's not the eye. Stigma? That the that's a stigmatism. That's something I also have. <laughs> That's, that's an eye thing. What, what word am I? That's not stigmatism. That's your eye, right, babe? That's thing in your eye. The, the stigma. The stigma. <laughs> the stigma of mental health in America. So that's what we're going to dive in today. But first, let's do our deep breathing and let's do our double inhale to a good exhale. See what we're thankful for. Here we go. Three, two, one. Big inhale. Big exhale. <laughs> All right, Nicole, take the take the lead, girlfriend. What you thankful for? Hit us with it. Um. So. Especially, you know, dealing with this episode, I want to say how thankful I am for my husband for loving me at my most unlovable times. You know, he's been on yeah. my mental health journey with me and, you know, he just understands where I'm coming from. When I go through like my episodes, he just, he knows how to deal with me. And that is beautiful. That's miraculous. And that is, I mean, just... Hats off to my husband. Great guy. Yes. I won the lottery with him. And I'm he's thankful quite... to you. So, oh, say ahead. it again. No, go ahead. I was gonna, he's just, he's a gem. You're correct. He he's is. a gem. He's, he is such a, a gem. But no, just saying I'm thankful to you for my coffee, Ohana. I'm glad I got to make, you know, friends with you. Um, and that I get to like talk about something with you that is very dear to my heart, something that people, you know, stigmatize. They have lots of misconceptions about or people feel embarrassed about it. And mm -hmm. so I just want to like let people, if I can just reach one person and they can be like, man, me too. I'm not alone. Then I'm thankful for that. I agree hundred percent. And that, that leads into what I'm thankful for for today is this conversation, this opportunity that we have to tackle such a big conversation. And I would like to preface that we are Neither of us are experts. We're not doctors. If we have a suggestion, obviously, you know, you do what you think is necessary for your health mm -hmm. and your life. But we're just kind of giving examples of what we've gone through, how we've dealt with it, how we deal to it on a day to day basis. Uh, but I'm thankful for this opportunity to tackle such a big topic, because um, as we all know, mental health is just 
absolutely huge in America. I, I'm not gonna, we're not going to talk about the world because we all know that the world itself is all messed up as well. But we're going to kind of focus on America and kind of the things that go on in America that we feel like need to be changed for mental health to progress in a better way. And that's something that's really big on my heart. But I want you to start first and kind of tell everyone about what you like what you deal with on a regular if you're open to talking about that oh yes absolutely so um currently um i was recently diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder and um depression this clinical term is major depressive uh disorder i think but that sounds weird to me major depressive but Uh yeah it's just anxiety depression um so far we haven't tackled the ocd thing i haven't gotten like an exact diagnosis of it but i do believe you know my little uh google webmd all my symptoms <laughs> i definitely we do have- it. yes we all do it i've had cancer i've had you know i you know everything that there could be i have diagnosed myself with it which is also a that goes with my anxiety like if i have a headache i'm like it's a brain tumor you know it's uh-huh. like uh-huh definite anxiety and um so i was so nervous my whole i i didn't even know that mental health was a thing my whole life i just knew that i wasn't normal i knew that i struggled with things that i was embarrassed about and mm-hmm. i didn't know that there was a term called anxiety i didn't know there was a term for what i was feeling until you know within the past i want to say like 10 years i think it's yes. been when people have been open talking about it so um, Let me jump in really quick. How old? How old are you? What are you? I'm 37. Okay, so we're kind of in that same ballpark. Yeah. Where growing up in high school and in middle school and even into college, like mental health was not a very large topic of conversation. No, it, wasn't. it wasn't. I agree with you. It's probably been the last 10 years where there's been a really big push for taking it more seriously, which is mm-hmm. which will I'll I'll kind of dive into why I think that is a thing in a little bit. But I want you to keep keep going on what you've experienced and how you feel about all yeah. that stuff. No, it's definitely if you knew, like, in high school, if you heard someone went to therapy or had something, you're like, wow, that person's crazy. That was something you whispered about, like, oh, I heard that person, you know, had to go to whatever. And it, it made them seem like crazy, even though it was just them dealing with you know, something that they need to deal with. So, so yeah, so Starbucks actually has great benefits. Um, they give you free mental health therapy. Um, they give you like 20 sessions free and then you get like a discount beyond that. Yes, it is great. And they, they do Lyra health. And then they also do, um, there's an app called, I think it's called like Mindspace or something like that. Wonderful. Where they give you like a free access to that. But um, I was like, no, I don't want to go to therapy. You know, I feel weird about it. Still in that like mindset of I was embarrassed, but I'm like, you know what? I do need this. Obviously there is an issue. So um, I did it. You know, I was like, let me take advantage of this free therapy that I obviously need. And, you know, she was talking through, you know, with me about stuff and she explained why I felt the way I felt. And she diagnosed me with anxiety, depression, and she was like, you should probably start taking medicine for it. And I was like, no, I don't want to. That's going to mess you up. That's scary. And um, my sister actually was the one who encouraged me to do it because she recently started taking anxiety medicine. So I finally, you know, did it. I dove in and I wish I had done this so much sooner because my life has never been the same. 
it feels so much better. It's awesome. Now, when, so if you don't mind asking, because I think we're going to both kind of dive a little deep here. I don't mind you asking me anything. When when did you, when did you really start to feel like you had a a problem with your anxiety where it was really starting to control you? You felt like you were drowning? Because I feel like that's a very common feeling of drowning. It is. Um, It really is. And I'll kind of, I'm going to, you know, this stage is for you for a little bit here, but then I'll kind of dive into my feels and how I feel. But for me, it is definitely a drowning feeling. When did you really start to feel, holy shit, I can't even stay afloat? When, when did that happen or a general um, time? Well, it, I mean, the anxiety, depression really started like, I mean, almost even in elementary school, but I didn't realize it. You know, it was just or- like feeling like... You know, I'm yeah. not part of the crowd, just shy, stuff like that. But um, it really took a toll on me as you get older, the more responsibilities and the oh, things yeah. that you take on, oh, yeah. it's the more it shines. So for mm-hmm. me, it was really when I had my daughter was when I was like, wow, I need help. It funny. stressed me out. And also mm-hmm. it was the mom guilt. I was guilty mm-hmm. for feeling stressed out and depressed about it. So I don't, so obviously I'm, I am not a woman, but are there like a stigma towards moms when it comes yes. to certain areas and that caused, mm-hmm. okay. Cause so that's the problem. And that's a problem that we are going to discuss today. A lot of is there's so many we we label people in these boxes where men and this is I'm going to go off on a little bit of a tangent here is men are supposed to be the strong blue collared non-emotional you make all the money you show up to work you come home you sit on the couch you watch your sports your wife makes your food and you go to bed you're not supposed to feel a damn thing and i think now what's happening is i and we are not if anyone's listening, this is not a discussion on gun control by any means. This is not that conversation. So we will not have this conversation under any means. What I'm saying is when you look at a lot of these shootings that are happening, the majority of them are middle-aged men. And there's a reason. I'm not saying I am not justifying under any circumstances what they're doing. What I'm saying is that there is this stigma of mental health in men. And after a while, some men just can't fucking take it. And that's the problem. And that's where I'm still struggling with. And I'm working with my sons daily to be able to express their emotion in a healthy way. Obviously, I don't want them to burst at the seam, but we men are frowned upon from having emotional expression. And that is such a problem. I mean, and we see it. We still see it to this day. We see it through, like I said, the school shootings, which I am not justifying under absolutely any circumstances. None. It's the most vile thing possible. But look at it in the form of substance abuse. We can't express what we do. So what do we do? We find it in other forms of like sitting on our phone, drinking, weed, um, gambling, sports. We do anything to just escape what we're feeling instead of being able to tackle it head on and not be judged. So kind of like you were saying, Nicole, having that person that understands you, that allows you that floor to express how you're feeling, good or bad, is something that is so incredibly special and worth every single conversation that is tough, worth every single conversation that is easy. It's having that person is the most life-giving thing when you're drowning in your anxiety and your depression. Would you agree? No, it really is. You're absolutely right. And it's so weird that when I, like, you can give an example if you want, but like the mother guilt, like these mothers pass on this guilt and these men pass on these guilts of, oh, you're not being manly enough. Uh, You should be working 80 hours a week. That is mm-hmm. your job it is, hey, you rub some dirt on it. Are you, why are you crying? Don't cry. Things 
it adds up and it makes us more anxious. But the funny part is, is they're feeling it too, but they're reflecting, they're pushing their fears and anxieties onto us. And that Mm -hmm. is something that I want to be able to help stop. So what are some things, maybe there's a new mom out there that you heard that you're like, don't listen to it. Just move on past it. What were some things that you heard that added guilt and anxiety to you? Well, it's just the whole thing. Every time you hear, you know, you talk to a mom or she gives you advice or something like that. She's like, it's the most life-changing thing, which it is. Um, It's beautiful. It's magical. Um, I want five more kids. It is the greatest thing in the world. And it is. It is is magical. And it's made me the hackest I've ever been. But it's also made me the most depressed, the most angry, the most frustrated. What they don't tell you is being a parent can suck. And it can suck hard. And we're not supposed to say that. We're not. And if you do, you're frowned upon. Because, again, we're coming from... I don't want to, I hate using the words millennials, Gen Z's, boomers, because it's just mm-hmm. so stupid. Like we should, I'm not a fan of boxing anyone. I don't like boxing people. Like if you're a boomer, I'm not going to classify you as someone that can't use your phone and you believe right. in the old American ways, which, you know, everyone should be working their asses off and have no free time. Like that's, I'm not going to classify you as, but there is something to be said about the way the older generations kind of reflects and pushes that on us. Would you agree? Mm-hmm. Exactly. A hundred percent. And it's what they, you know, they were taught that as well and they pass it down and we're finally in this gen. I'm so glad to be in this generation who's finally understanding that that's not the only way to feel. It's okay to not think this is magical. I just want to spend my entire day cooking, cleaning, and feeding 10 babies. It's okay for that to not be your thing or for you to struggle with it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. And look, we're just going to be honest. The American way that was 40, 30, 20, 10 years ago, we're having the American dream is, you know, the white picket fence and the big family house with four kids and two dogs. That's not fucking happening in this America. It's just no. not. We can't even afford to wipe our own asses without it costing a I- fortune. <laughs> so, like, those are things that, like, the older generation now has to start to see that. And what mm-hmm. happens is you're correct. Like there is this, there are these conversations has to be had. Are Kayla and I going to have another kid? That's just, people ask all the time. And we're very much in the middle. There's perks and there's negatives. And people are like, there's negatives? Yeah, there is. There is. That doesn't mean it's not worth it. But you, in this day and age, we have to weigh the options. And the Mm -hmm. older generation just doesn't get that. They didn't have to do that. They could just go do whatever they wanted with very minimal consequences financially. And that's another thing that's really tough for our generation in this society right now is there's nothing wrong with wanting to have one kid. But most of the time, and as a mother, you might know, and as a father, we might want more kids, but we financially can't. And then that adds a guilt and a burden, and that makes us anxious, and that makes us depressed. And it's this vicious cycle that goes on and on when it comes to parenting. Would you agree? You're 100% correct. That is exactly how we feel, especially because we've wanted to have a second kid. But first of all, I wasn't mentally stable enough. Not that I'm not mentally stable, but like anxiety-wise, depression-wise, I'm like, I don't want to put this on another kid. This one is a lot to handle by herself. This kid is like having five kids to me. You know, she's a very hard kid. Some kids are very hard. This one 
pushes my limits. And when you have anxiety, depression, and you have a tough kid, it makes you afraid to do it again. You know, and I didn't have my medicine or therapy then. And, you know, this kid never sleeps to this day. She's turning 10, doesn't sleep. She's very hard headed. She's very like um, wiggly and bored all the time. And she's very, what's next? What's next? What's next? And I'm like, just let me sit down for one second, you know? And it's like, can I add to that? Do I want to? Yes, because as much frustration and anger as I get with my kid, I still feel the love and she fills my heart up and I would love to have that again. But now I'm like, okay, she's 10, is it too late? Or can I have it, you know, can we do it again? And now and we're at the point where we opens, want to, but yeah. And that opens the floodgate of anxiety. And this is this is something mm-hmm. that uh, a good buddy of mine, you all have heard me talk about him, Eddie. He is like my, he's my Rafiki. He's my Rafiki in life. And I know this, he didn't make this up, but I heard it from him first. So I'm going to give him credit because I love him. When we look to the past, we get depressed. When we look to the mm-hmm. future, we get anxious. And that's it's why so the true. present that's why the present moment is so important. And yes, obviously, Kayla and I have discussed having kids. That is a futuristic talk that needs to happen. But if we hyper focus on it, then it sends us down an anxiety spiral. We gotta buy a new car, we gotta get a new house, we gotta both get better jobs. And it just sends us in this vicious cycle of anxiety. And then what happens is then we both get irritated. And then what happens when we get irritated? We get short with each other. We get snippy with each other. Or at least Kayla tries to get snippy with me. I'm always a saint when it comes to this shit. You know what I mean? No. But we <laughs> both, it, it both, it just adds on to the anxiety. And what I, I find frustrating, and you probably agree, is that when you see an older generation just saying, work harder, figure it out. It's like, it's not how it works, man. That's right. it, We can't, we do work hard. We work hard in a different way where work isn't our only source of happiness in life. You probably don't want to spend all day working, do you? No, not at all. You want to experience life with your kid, with your husband, with yourself. And the mm-hmm. and the older generation, they never they didn't do that. And you can just see it. I mean, how many family of four, family of five, family of six are there out there? That number is dwindling. And I think it should because most of the older boomer generation, they don't have a good mental health. They don't understand it. That's why they're so scared to talk about it because they never had an opportunity to. And our generation, and I love it, is we have opportunity like this to talk about the importance of mental health. The importance of therapy is fucking great. Yep. If you if you don't have a therapist, find a way to get one. Because even (laughs) if even if you don't think you have mental health issues, you do. You do. Everyone does trauma. And there's nothing wrong with it at all. Welcome to the club. We'll give you a high five. We'll give you a pat on the back and we'll give you a cookie and say, welcome to the club. It's awesome. Exactly. So I, I do love the fact that you are very open about, you know, taking medications and, and, and therapy. What are some, when you feel you're drowning, and I think some people would really love to hear this, when you feel like you're just, oh my God, I'm so overwhelmed. This is happening, blah, blah, blah. What do you do other than like those two things to try to swim? You're not trying to, you know, swim like Michael Phelps. You're just trying to find ways to even just tread water, not drowned. What are some things you do to pull yourself out? You know, I'm still working on that. It's love that answer. It's a work love, in progress. Love yeah. that answer. That mm-hmm. is that is beautiful because I think, and that's kind of what I was hoping you were going to say because that kind of opens. I feel like there's a lot of people that think they need to figure it out right away. It's mm-hmm. this. I know I struggle with 
Okay, I'll use me. I struggle with food. That's my problem. Food and, and exercise. I have such a very, and I've talked about it on a couple episodes ago, I have a very toxic relationship with both. So when I'm struggling with a mental health day, the worst thing I can do is like go to, no offense to my mother, but go to my mom's house because she makes the most delicious sweets in the world. The worst thing I can do is not work out in that moment. But it's been a work in progress because then what I've realized is as I work out when I'm in that bad state, it makes it worse because I don't look the way that I want to look. So now what I'm trying to mm -hmm. do is instead of relying on those two things, I'm trying to find an outsource. And like you said, I don't have the answer right now. I have ideas. It's going on walks. It's listening to books, listening to podcasts. Music is my big thing. Sitting by the water, talking with Caleb, huddling with my kitty cats, playing lightsabers with my boys. There's tons of things, but it's always a work in progress. Mm -hmm. Always a work exactly. in progress. So if you're struggling, you're drowning, and you don't know how to pull yourself out, try something new. And don't be upset that it's not working. And if it worked six months ago, and it's not working now, it's okay. No stress. You're a different person now than you were six months ago. Yes. Always. Yes. Always. I love that. That is perfect. So what are some... What are some other like suggestions you would give people who they're in the closet about coming forward with their anxiety or their depression because they're just scared to admit it? What are some things that you like a person, a situation, just being able to verbally say it out loud, not in front of anybody? Like, are there any things that you did? Are there things that you did to help you embrace that vulnerability to say, yes, I have these. I am anxious and I am depressed because I know a lot of people are scared to admit it. Is there anything that you did? Is there a person? Uh, other than so I just decided that I didn't want to feel that way anymore. Um, I, well, before I wanted to say it, I journaled a lot. Yes. I try to kind of fix it myself. So one of the things I did was write a list when I felt anxious or I got like stressed out, I wrote down what it was like, um, for, for an example, like we were fostering these dogs and they stressed me out. I love dogs. I cannot own dogs. Like I can't like. Perfect. Same. I, 100 percent feel the same way. Love them. Mm -hmm. But the thought of owning one sends me down a downhill spiral of anxiety. Nope. It stresses me out. It, it like it's and then um, because it was an older mom and a baby that we fostered and the older mom, of course, peed everywhere. The baby peed everywhere. You know, you couldn't get fast enough to them. They would howl at night. And the one thing that stresses me out is a mess and oh. clutter. And every time I had to like clean up a pee or they would interrupt me doing whatever, it would stress me out so much. And I'm like, I cannot, we need to find home to these dogs immediately because I can't have them peeing in my house. And I would mm -hmm. write it down. I'm like, okay, well, obviously I know now I can't own a dog, even though I love dogs. I've always wanted to, but I just have to accept that I cannot own a dog. Not at this and, point in my life. And there is tons of guilt when it comes to that too. Let it me is. tell you, people are like, you don't want to own a dog? Are you soulless? It's like, no. We have other response. I I have my boys, and I'll, I'll, I'll speak for Kayla on this. Kayla has the two boys, and she has me. That is the same of having like twelve dogs. So like <laughs> she's like I literally cannot handle another ounce of responsibility when it comes no. to caring for another thing, and that's okay. And again, there's nothing. Would you agree with that, babe? She said, mm -hmm. she agrees. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with admitting what you can't handle. It's not because. You can handle it. We all know you can handle another dog, another kid. But what's that going to do to your mental health? And what's that going to do to the very important relationships in your life? We can exactly. always add more. But if we're going to add more to where it damages us, there's nothing wrong with admitting that. Kayla and I have talked. We have talked at length about adding another kid or 
you know, buying a new house or adding a dog to the family. We've had those discussions. And it's like, right now, is it worth it because of what it would do to our mental health? Because as you all know, there was a very big storm that was going on in our life that we are, we can kind of feel the storm shifting in a positive direction. It wasn't so positive. The biggest part of the storm hit a couple of weeks ago, but we're finally feeling the weight of that storm starting to lift a little bit. Mm -hmm. And because of that, we can now start to have bigger conversations. In that moment, we were both like, no, we're not having kids anytime soon. Yeah, I can't think of anything else at this moment. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. That does not mean, and I want you to tell me your input, that does not mean you're weak, correct? Correct. But it did feel that way. It It felt that way for a long time. Does. I was like, what's wrong with me? Why can't I handle this? How come this person can have two dogs, three kids, you know, whatever, whatever, and I can't handle one? But what I learned is everyone has their own size plate and they might have a platter and I have a little side dish. Huh? It's both okay. Yes. Yes, it is. And you never know. So like something that Kayla and I always talk about, as I I will always talk about this, that I, I, I struggle with body image. And that's something that I just, it is my biggest battle in life. It just is. I'm fine when it comes to speaking to new people. Kayla hates talking to new people. It stresses her out. That's what gives her anxiety. To me, I love it. I love conversation with people. But where I've started to struggle with my anxiety with my body is being able to just first, nope, we just had an alert pop up on our screen. Sorry. Um, <laughs> shoot, I got this up. Where was I? I got distracted now. Where was I? Your body image. Oh, the body image. So when I'm when I'm going down that rabbit hole, it's very difficult for me to first like take a deep breath. Do you feel overwhelmed in that moment? In that moment, you feel like I could look like I want to look like Zach Efron. That's where I'm at. And Kayla goes, remember, you might look if you look like him one day, fine. But if you don't, he might have something else on his plate that you don't have on yours. He might look perfect and that's everything. That's great. That's fantastic. But you, you might not look like he does, but you have something else that he doesn't. That's why mm-hmm. comparing is so dangerous. Like you said, you have different size plates, correct? Just because your plate might be one kid and their plate might be six kids, your plate of being able to communicate with people might be 12 plates. Theirs might be two. So that's why comparing is so dangerous because you never mm-hmm. know what the other person is struggling with. You never know. So even in that moment, you're sitting there, you're comparing, you're like, oh my God, I just I just want to look like Zac Efron. He's the freaking man. He looks incredible. But then I don't realize all the other stuff he might have in his closet that I don't have. That could be his stress. That could be him being like, man, I have to keep this image. And that yes. could cause him anxiety and depression. And we don't know. Well, he actually spoke. He has a TV show on um, Netflix. It's called Down to Earth. And he actually oh, spoke about he spoke about it and he said it's just so nerve-wracking constantly having to eat so perfect to look a certain way. Oh, well, there miserable. you go. Yeah. So when you see the, that's why comparing is so, so, so dangerous. Being able to look at yourself, realize what you can handle. Don't worry what everyone else can handle. Worry about what you can handle. That's all that matters. That's all you can control. And that's what we've talked about previously in a couple episodes ago is control the controllables, right? So when it comes to anxiety and depression, it is very hard to feel in control. Would you agree? Oh, yeah, definitely. It feels like it owns you. It controls you. You just literally can't take a breath. You just are weighed down by this feeling. And it's just, it's a very terrible feeling. Nonstop battle. Yeah, it is. But you're battling yourself. (laughs) Huh? You are. And look, so pretty much we had to go, my wife and I, Kayla and I, we had to go through mediation with my ex-wife. 
it was a very stressful thing. That was outside stressors causing us stress. So we really couldn't control much of that. Most of that was just outside. Situational, yeah. Most of the time, it's not really that way. Most of the time, it's stuff that we can handle internally. Things that we have to just have a better self-talk. Things that we have to look at it in a different perspective, even though it's incredibly difficult. I had a really rough mental health day when it came to my body a couple of days ago. And sometimes for me, and I don't know about you, when you're in that moment, what helps you? Is it being able to release it and just say it or internalize it and not say it and just let it pass? Kayla's the kind of person where when she feels something negative, she internalizes and then she lets it go. I have to express. I have to. If I don't, it gets worse. Well, are you that way or are you kind of like Kayla? Um, I kind of like cry it out a little bit and then I watch Disney. <laughs> that's kind of my that's, that's, that's kind of my thing. And that's how you cope with it. And that's a perfect way to deal with it. And mm-hmm. anyone that's listening, if you're like, man, Mark, I just I get so anxious that it makes me angry. Sometimes I just need to vent. And Kayla has been there to let me vent. Even if it's like I'm very vocal about how I feel about my body and myself, and I know it's probably hard for her to hear, she listens and then she calls me on my shit. And that helps me. But if you've got to know you, and that is something that is very important when it comes to anxiety and depression, is you've got to know you. You've got to know your triggers. you got to know your flaws. And you got to be able to be honest with yourself. Like you said, it's a mm-hmm. constant battle between you and you, right? Exactly. So you got to know how you can overcome those struggles and those battles. It's tough. It's no joke. It really is. It is. Every day you learn. every, And then you have to accept the fact that you are fighting an illness. It is, you know, it's like the same. I'm very asthmatic. Okay, I have to take medicine for asthma. I'm fighting an illness. It's the same thing with your mind. It's not your fault, if you have this, it you, you know, either you're situational or chemical imbalance or whatever caused this issue, it is not your fault. Correct. Correct. And that is something that I do feel like the older generation is just not grasping. They're like, just no. get over it. Just just move on. Just, like, on just don't be don't be depressed. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for that uh beautiful Thanks. advice. Thanks, I'll just Captain not Obvious. be depressed now. Yeah. Correct. So it's just I do. I tell Kayla this constantly. I do feel like the older generation is slowly, when it comes to leadership and mentality, it's slowly on its way out. And I really hope that when the younger generation, us, come into power, we can make some changes. Because mental health needs to start to be a main priority. Something that has happened is uh, Kayla and I now have to. We didn't really have a choice. We have to send our kids to school. Oh, it's 11-11. Everyone make a wish. I always have an alarm every day, every day at 11, 11, make a wish. Uh, all right. I made my wish. Uh, so we have to send our kids to school. We didn't uh, have I know that that's something you don't want to do. It's not, but you know what? We're going to handle the best we can. So now what I'm looking at is before I've never had to do this. Uh, I've had to start looking at certain things that are in place at schools and laws for mental health. And there was literally a thing yesterday put out for the Congress to vote on Mental health aid in middle school, public school, uh, in public schools, I'm sorry, in public school, there were 205 no's from a certain party. Why would we vote no? That is what scares me. That is what irks me, is that there are still people who vote against aid to mental health. It makes no sense to me. It makes no sense. And some people they are going to be like, it's oh. real. They don't think it's they don't real. They don't think it's real. And I understand some people are going to be like, oh, well, this public school system is you know, 
moving money around in a way it shouldn't. I don't care. Uh, personally, I don't care. We need to take care of our children. We got to take care of our children. And if they're going to spend majority of their time in school, there needs to be parameters for them to feel mentally safe and, ha and happy. There just mm -hmm. is. And I know that we can't protect our kids at all time. And Nicole, you might agree that that is a tough pill to swallow that we can't protect our kids. Oh, 100%. Anytime we I hear of a school shooting, I'm just bawling. I, oh, my I God. I want to say it was uh, maybe a few months ago or something when it was the eight, nine-year-olds, the elementary school recently. Brutal. My heart was ripped open because I'm like, that could be my kid. Exactly. That could be my kid. I oh. could be the parent devastated. And it like, it makes me want to pull her out of school. But I, I, I don't have the financial ability to not work. Yeah. Neither yeah. does my husband. So it's like, we have no choice. Mm. And just, it adds more anxiety, more depression. And if we don't allow people to handle their mental health, this, like, this cycle is just going to keep going. It's going to keep going. Mm -hmm. And there, there comes a time where I understand people say, well, my thoughts and prayers are with you. That's not working. We got to start making some changes. And mm -hmm. I'm not saying to gun laws. I'm not saying to gun laws for all you people out there. Like, Arr. No, I'm saying in general, when it comes to everything with where things are going, we got to look at something that is not working and we got to make a change. If there's something not working, if you're going to the gym five days a week and you're working out constantly, and you're not seeing any changes for six months, you got to make a change, right? It's the same right. thing with all this. If you're doing something, if we're doing something in America for our mental health and it's just not fucking working, how about we look at it and we fix it? So now that I don't have a choice, my kids got to be in public school. I don't have a choice. I fought against it. We lost. So now I'm going to have to find ways to protect my kids' mental health and to see that there are still people out there voting to not give them mental health aid in school blows my mind. I know people are like, well, there's counselors and stuff. I have heard some absolute fucking horror stories of counselors recently. And it wigs me out. It gives me anxiety. But I now have to focus and realize that I can't control it. I can't control it. So all I can do is control how I feel about it and control what I, how I can respond to it, try to get to know the counselors, try to get invested into the counselors, see if I can become good buddy buddies with them because I'm pretty good at that. So maybe they'll be able to be honest with me and tell me if the boys are struggling. So there are just tons of vicious cycles of anxiety cycles out there. You got to find yours. And that is ver a very vulnerable feeling. Because once you find it, then you've got to be vulnerable enough to be like, okay, this is where my struggle spot is. This is where I struggle. And then you've got to actually kind of spend, in, in my opinion, this is what I do, is I spend time in it. So it's no longer a fear to me. It's no longer this dreaded thing. I know that I am in control of the situation. So as you can see, Nicole, there are so many different types of outside circumstances of of stress and anxiety and depression. And then there's a lot of internal. So when it's those outside stresses, there's really nothing we can do. But those inside stresses, we I feel like we've done a really good job of kind of helping people understand that you do have hope. You're not alone. There is a chance for you to feel better and be better. And most importantly, there's nothing to be ashamed of. Would you agree? A hundred percent. Definitely. Nothing. Nothing to be ashamed of. And um, before we kind of wrap it up, do you have anything else when it comes to the mental health, I guess the mental health topic that you would love to share to kind of spread some, shine some light on. Yes, a hundred, um, I'm gonna say, I love saying a hundred percent, sorry. Well, a hundred percent's the best. That's all we want. I is love saying a hundred percent. That's how I always answer to everything. Good, um, you want 100%. No. Um, so when I was getting diagnosed with anxiety, I was explaining to her what I was going through and I told her, and this is how I described it. And this is the best way I said, I am always Bruce Banner, but out of nowhere, I become the Hulk. 
and I thought I had bipolar because I because usually I'm this way. I'm happy, you know, I'm very positive, high on life. And then out of nowhere, bam, I'm rage. You know, I'm raging, I'm angry, I'm a Hulk, you know. And um, I was like, what does that mean? And she's like, the Hulk? She didn't even know what the Hulk was. Okay, break up with your therapist. But anyway, she was like, <laughs> yeah, um, she goes, so what she explained to me is we should start with an empty balloon, like an unfilled balloon. And as you go through the day and stuff happens, it fills up your balloon. When you have anxiety, you start your day with a full balloon. And the first thing that you add to it pops it, which is why I hulk up so easily is because my balloon starts full. Damn. And that shined so much light on it because I thought I was crazy. I really did. That is beautiful. That is, yes. that is perfect. Perfect, yes. perfect, perfect. Wow. Sounds like that was your therapist or your doctor? Oh, my therapist. Damn. You see, here's the dip. Look, Kayla and I have a therapist together. She's wonderful. We love her very much. We meet her once a week. She is fabulous. But there are times where she's she sees that Kayla's a little bit, Kayla and I are very different people. Obviously, as you all can tell, I'm more of the introvert. She's more the extrovert. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like we can't, we can't ever shut Kayla up. She just talks all the time. She just doesn't stop. I'm kidding. That's me, everybody. Uh, <laughs> and there are times where my counselor will be like, Mark, you're just being petty. Get over it. And I'm like, I mean, you're right. But she knows that we have that relationship. We have that kind of convert. We can have those kind of conversations. Sometimes people need tough love. I'm one of those. Kayla does not. Kayla does not respond well to tough love. I do. So like when I'm struggling and Kayla calls me on my shit, that helps. What you said, I think is going to help a lot more people because I don't think there's a lot of people like me that prefers the tough love. Kayla loves the 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 analogies, the tender, I'm here, you do what you need to do. I'm here to listen if you want to kind of person. And that's what she needs. And that's what I try to do for her. But there are people, so if this is you, Welcome to the club. We want to be called on our shit. When we're acting like buffoons and we're going down, we're raging out. Someone's like, you need to just take a deep breath. I'm here to listen, but you got to take a deep breath. I can't help you when you're in this state. Oh, no, not me. me. I double down. <laughs> you double down? Oh, yeah. See, I double that's okay. down. <laughs> and it does, and, you know, it does depend. Like there are times where if I'm really struggling, it depends. For me, I'm a physical touch person. What I love is when I'm struggling, Kayla gives me a hug. She gives me a kiss. She holds my hand. She rubs my arm, something like that. That. It's like my centerpiece where I just really mm -hmm. start to calm down. That's a really yeah. big, like, that's like the Hulk when he gets the lullaby from Natasha. That's, ex yes, that's yes. exactly what happens. Like if, if Joey says you're being irrational and I'm, then I become more irrational because I don't like to hear that. Okay. I'm just going to follow the whole scene through. Okay. Yep. <laughs> but if yep. he just hugs me, I'm like, don't hug me. Oh, okay. Huh? And then I'm done. Correct. <laughs> Correct. Correct. And then there are times, and listen, if you're one of these people that you need to just let it out, let it out. You, you have, and this is a really big indicator of the people you have in your life. When you're at your worst, if they're still there to listen and be there for you, you know you got to keep her. If you're at your worst and that person makes you worse, that might not be a great combo. You know what I mean? Because like right. there are times where I don't make Kayla feel better, but she just knows that if she needs to communicate if she needs to talk, I'm here for her, and vice versa. He knows that all I need is her to slap me across the face a couple times, and I'm good to go, and I'll wake up from my little anger spell, you know? And <laughs> she's giggling. She, she'd walk by right when I said that. I said that on purpose to get hey, a reaction. <laughs> uh, 
So I do feel like you need to know you and that's, what's important. And I think that there is this, um, there's this untalked about beauty and exploring who you are. I feel like um, the boomer, not the boomer, but the older generation really puts a lot of emphasis on putting your energy into other people. I love my mother to death. She is, I would say, one of the most miraculous human beings in the world, but everything she does is for other people. And in that, she has learned a lot about herself, but I do feel as if my mom, if I would ask her now, would you wish... If you could have gone back and learned more about yourself early on, would you have done it? She would have said, absolutely. It wasn't until recently where she's really started to do some self-diving in, learning who she is, how she responds, how she reacts. But it's hard because you got to be honest and you got to be vulnerable. And those are two things that are really, really difficult is to be honest and vulnerable with yourself. No, Not relying on what other people are telling you. You've got to figure it out. What do you say about you in your darkest times? What do you say about yourself in the lightest of times? Getting to know yourself is a really good tool to really start to tackle, in my opinion, the anxiety and the mental health issues that is going on in America. Because you got to know yourself. You got to know how you respond. Like you said, you literally knew exactly how you act when you get super duper stressed and anxious and you become the yeah. hawk. Some people internalize. Kayla internalizes. She doesn't speak. That's how I know she's really upset is she's just an absolute board of emotion. She doesn't react to anything. That's how I know. You and I, we wear it on our sleeve a little bit. We kind of were yeah. a little bit more vocal. Like, no, definitely. I need to talk. I need to talk. I got to get it off my chest. The longer I hold it, the more it's going to blow. I'm a, I'm a pressure cooker, man. I got to push that valve. Let the steam come out. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's how we are. But we had, we had to do some self-exploring to know that. So if you're scared to self-explore, don't be scared to self-explore. Know who you are. Know who you are. It's the most one of the most important things you can do, not even just for your mental health, it's just for you in general. To know who you are, to know what you like, to know how you respond, to know what your triggers are. It's very important. Would you agree? Oh, definitely. And um, another thing that I've really learned um throughout, you know, my marriage and being a parent is I hear this all the time and I didn't believe it until I lived it, is you have to take care of yourself to take care of other people. And Fun. Repeat that. Repeat that <laughs> one more time, sister. Repeat. Yes. You have to take care of yourself before you can take care of other people. They are Definitely. right. Yes. Correct. Yes. And because there's nothing wrong with that. Nope. I would feel like I was weak or I was being selfish if I took time to you know, recharge or just be quiet with a book or I am very go-go and I still struggle with this is like, if there's a moment to chill, I'm just feeling guilty about not folding more laundry. Amen. Oh my girlfriend. I hate sitting still. I hate it. I'm with you. We are twinsies there. Absolutely. But oh. then you exhaust yourself and then you're yeah. and then your body is physically stressed. Your mind and your body is then overworked in the stress. And it's like right. this constant cycle of every waking moment I need to do something, but then it's also me complaining that I do too much. Mm -hmm. So learn and and when you do stuff for yourself, when you're doing self-care, and I know a lot of people are like, oh, self-care, that's a girl thing. It's not. Self-care comes in many different forms. For me, you want to know what my self-care things is? I'm doing this, this, podcast, Captain Coffee, working out, Star Wars. Those are the things that are self-care that I want to do on a regular basis anyway. And there are people like Kayla and my mother who really struggle with self-care because they haven't taken the time to get to know themselves because they're so focused on making other people happy. 
So you if you're one of those hit people, it right on the head. That's if exactly you're one of those it. People, dive into yourself, man. Learn. What do you like doing? It's really fun. You get to know yourself. It really is. It is. It's a blast. I love it. I've learned that I am a, I, look, I take pride in it. I would not necessarily say I'm the smartest of smarts, book smarts, but I think I've got a good personality and people like that. You know what I mean? So like, I know that about myself and I've come to peace with that, that I might not be when it comes to tests, I have as much capability as a monkey and I'm okay with that. But when it comes to holding a conversation and being able to have fun with people, I would say I'm, I'm up there with some of the best. So learn, learn who you are. It's really fun. It's awesome. It really does help with your anxieties because then you can be able to go into conversations with a therapist or friends like this and be able to give good input, constructive input about yourself and what helps and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. Helps. And as you get older, I used to be like, man, I don't want to get, I don't want to become 30. I don't want to become 40. But oh yeah, it, the older I get, the more comfortable in my own skin I get. Yeah. I learn yes. more and more about myself and just... I just become who I am, who I was meant to be the older I get. Mm-hmm. And I really just don't give a crap what people think that like as the years go on. And you can just Agreed. really enjoy your life when you just let go of what people think. You let go of what you think you should be doing. And it just, you enjoy yourself and life so much better. You do. And that can be tough for some people. Kayla's that way. So we went to go see uh, Star Wars. I said this, I think, two weeks ago on the podcast. Three, I can't remember. But we went to go see Star Wars movie theaters. Kayla didn't wear her Jedi robe. She was too embarrassed as me and the boys are walking in in our Jedi robes. And I'm like, listen, you just got to not care what people think. She's still on that. And that's okay. She We're on different journeys with different things. And that's okay. So if that's you, just take your time. Do little things, mm-hmm. at a t- just little things. And as a personal trainer, that's something that I've learned is little changes make the biggest differences. So you don't have to, to get better mental health, you don't have to go make all these crazy drastic changes right away. It's little things. Like instead of waking up and going right to your phone, wake up and go to your book. Wake up and go see a sunrise. Wake up and meditate for five minutes. Those little changes make such a drastic difference. And if that's what your triggers, that's mine. If I wake up and I go right to my phone, I'm screwed. My mental health just crashes because I'm Mm -hmm. relying on an outside source to bring me dopamine and happiness. When I wake up and I meditate, I do my coffee, I get my alone time, I go see my sunrise, then I can go to my phone. I'm like, yeah, all right, I can tackle the day. So you got to learn you. That's all. It's all comes down to. Get to know yourself. Be comfortable in yourself. Well, girlfriend, thank you so much. I have a feeling this will not be the last mental health conversation we get into. I would love to dive into some statistics next time. I actually wanted to dive into some statistics, but you know what? Like I said, Captain Coffee, this podcast is meant for just conversations like we're two people in a coffee shop having a conversation about mental health. And I think we did that. I think we accomplished that today. Yeah, and there's so much to talk about. Like, I have so much more I could dive into. We could definitely do a part two of this because I have a lot. I have a lot. I would love to join. Uh, But now you guys know, anyone listening, if you are struggling with mental health, me and Nicole are here to talk. Like I said, we are not experts. We are just people that have been through the shit and we see life a little differently and we've had an opportunity to learn about ourselves and learn about this said topic. Some people are very new to this. And if you are and you have questions, please reach out to us. If you're in a dark place, please reach out to us. We would rather you come talk to us than do something very reckless and scary and Damaging. So we're here. We're an ear. That rhymed. That was not on purpose. I like that. I'm going I'm to make that a catchphrase. You're here and we are an ear. Uh, so we love you guys. Nicole, thank you so much. Like, thank you. For you to be this vulnerable and open for people, random people to listen to you talk about your struggles like that, that, in my opinion, is a, is a more accurate description of what vulnerability and bravery is than anything else. Being able to talk about 
an issue like this so openly. That takes that takes takes some guts. So oh, thank yeah. you for doing that. I thank do appreciate you it. for having me. I really appreciate it. I just I just want people to know they're not alone. They're not. By no means. And I think we have done a really good job of accomplishing that through this podcast today. I, was I agree. I'm very excited that we had an opportunity to discuss such a very big, important topic. So if you guys ever have any questions, if you guys ever, Nicole took initiative. She sent me a text. She said, hey, I want to hop on and I want to talk mental health. I love that. I love it so much. That is what I want for you guys. If there's a topic, anything, reach out and we'll try to get you on. You know, obviously I have stuff already planned sometimes, so we got to move around a little bit, but um, I would love for any of you that have a topic that's on your heart. I mean, mental health is on Nicole's heart. She talked about it and here we are. Wonderful, wonderful, fantastic, light bringing episodes. So thank you so much, Nicole. I really thank appreciate you. it. Thank you. And to anyone else out there, if you're struggling with mental health, we're here to help in any way we can. Okay? Right. Definitely. Well, girlfriend, take it. Take it out. May the brew be with you. We was waking up with no cash. It feels like maybe we could bring it right back. Back before we got on track. And life got crazy. Rolling stone. Big blunt road. Open road. I ain't worried about much. I know shit is different. Hang it on, baby. Cause we're living so fast. Trying to break bread with our homies. Got a big hand. Yeah, you know me. Life's like.